Chapter 18 of The Leopard's Claw by George Washington Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Oliver's Imprisonment and Escape. With renewed hope, they arose from their prostrate positions and, walking to the bank, watched the canoes land. The men were chalked and tattooed, making a frightful appearance, with their masks and grass robes. They were the Nijis, men who bury the witches. They were more surprised than Oliver, and it was only after much persuasion and the sight of Alpha's shirt that they consented to take back Oliver and Twee. They were conveyed to the shore for which they had first headed. Their reception was by no means a welcome one. They were not allowed to enter the town, but were held outside as prisoners, while the king sat in council upon their case. They were condemned as witches, and ordered to a deep pit, where they were to await the morning and be burned alive. They were placed in the pit with their hands tied behind them. "'Twee, can you manage to get my knife out?' Oliver inquired. Twee managed to reach Oliver's side, and turning his back to the ladder, tried to extricate the knife in vain. "'Master Disby Toby, I live for let down knife for you,' Oliver heard a whisper from above and soon caught a glimpse of the bright steel as it descended into the pit. After cutting loose the bindings from himself and Twee, he called up to Toby and informed him, "'Me sendy rope, you climb one, one, no fear, me holdy strong.' Oliver caught the rope and ascended, after which Twee followed. Toby led them quietly to the river bank, where they found a canoe which he had already prepared for their flight." They had not gone very far before the alarm was given, and warriors with their bows and arrows launched half a dozen canoes in pursuit. The three fugitives made their paddles fly, and their small craft fairly glided over the water, but the warriors, coming within a close range, showered poisonous arrows after them. But by some miracle the arrows passed over their heads and missed them. The chase continued under a shower of arrows, flying wide of the mark. The pursuers had gained rapidly, and were just about to close upon them, when Toby steered the canoe into the rapids which led to a steep waterfall. With victorious shouts the party gave up the chase, and returned rejoicing over the certain death of their escaped victims. Toby understood the channel of rapids well, and had more than once used it upon his flight from pursuers. He soon turned into a well-known current and emerged from their dangerous situation. Several years had passed in an unsuccessful search for tidings of his wife and daughter. Oliver, Toby, and Twee were walking on the bank of a narrow stream, which pushed over large stones in a swift current to a deep perpendicular waterfall. "'Looky, fool man come in canoe,' Toby called out as he pointed up the stream." Oliver looked back and saw a white turbaned and robed figure holding on to the sides of a canoe as it was tossed helter-skelter among the rocks. "'Say, Toby, won't you swing from the limb of that tree and hold on to my feet, and I will try to rescue the poor fellow when he reaches the open current,' Oliver said as he indicated the thick limb of a large tree stretching across the stream about fifteen feet from the waterfall. "'Hm, me no fitty,' Toby grunted. All two we fall in water. Oh, master, don't worry. Dad be old Alpha. I so glad he gon' die soon, Twee announced. Shut up, Twee, 
don't forget that alpha saved my life once and i owe him his pearls also oliver said in an irritated tone just then some fishermen came along bearing a heavy sign of trout raffia and grass ropes oliver ran to meet them and before they understood what he was about he had them following him up the tree bearing the sign he called out to toby to assist and they just had time to drop the sign and hold on to one end as it swung across the stream when alpha's canoe entered the swift current and was soon within reach alpha lost no time but caught hold of the ropes reaching the tree limb in safety he joined the trio upon their journey as if they had parted in the most friendly manner but both twee and toby detected him scowling at oliver whenever he thought himself unobserved during the night as they camped in the woods toby surprised alpha as he crept toward oliver with a sharp dagger in his hand alpha leaped into the woods and fled when toby rushed towards him ain't so i tell master let that bad man drown we see much trouble since we got loose from him twee remarked to toby after alpha's flight one evening at early dusk the three wanderers reached a native village and found most of the villagers marching toward a high hill in the side of which was an excavation about four feet in diameter through which flames of fire were seen coming from the interior situated about two hundred feet from the village oliver thought at first it was a volcano but noticed that no smoke or lava ascended from the top he watched the procession as it halted within one hundred feet of the hill and deposited large bowls upon the ground they then kneeled down in rows bending upon each elbow alternately as they repeated strange sounds oliver learned afterward that this was the abode of the spirits of their dead ancestors and that the bowls contained food for the spirits and that every evening the empty bowls were found after having been left the previous morning oliver presented the king one of his last four leopard claws and won great favor although he could gather no information concerning his guest alpha had shadowed the party and remained hidden until he saw toby accompany a fishing party one morning he appeared before the king and said o king the spirit of the great sarji came to me three times in one night and urged me to warn you against the man with the white skin that he must be burned before the abode of your departed ancestors this evening before the sun goes down if you fail to heed my words a curse will be upon this town and you and all the people will be destroyed by war and famine the king was very sad at the tidings but gave the order for oliver's destruction alpha immediately had oliver secured and guarded as he supervised the erection of the altar upon which to burn his victim twee ran to summon toby as soon as he heard the news oliver was wrapped in cords and laid face upwards upon the brush piled upon the stone altar the king and crowd of villagers had assembled to witness the ceremony alpha approached with glittering eyes as he lighted the torch with which he was to light the kindling where be you hidey pearls he hissed as he approached oliver turned to his old ventriloquist trick and barked loudly alpha looked around in fright when oliver emitted loud hissing growls the whole party disappeared in terror alpha dropped the torch near the altar as he sought safety 
twee and toby rushed from the woods just in time to rescue oliver from the flames which caught the altar's brushwood they ran to the other side of the hill and discovered a hole in the ground partly covered with bushes in their desperate plight they did not hesitate to descend oliver discovered a dark tunnel which they penetrated they found themselves suddenly entering a large cave in which were busy workmen mining and skilled gold smelters who kept a blazing fire burning night and day as soon as the bewildered party entered oliver was given another surprise when the familiar voice of fawn in his same haircut greeted him in sincere joy oliver was given a royal welcome in the home of the mysterious spirits who planned to demand more food from the worshipping villagers End of chapter 18